This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Guys, this is your warning. We do swear occasionally. Every now and then we'll say the word. Sometimes. Sometimes. And even maybe. But don't let that put you off. We're nice people. We beep them out. So your kids can listen. (laughs) Enjoy. And cross strikes in the first over. It's what England were looking for. Hartley bowls down the track, comes scoring. This time she connects. It's either six or out. It's six. Welcome back to No Balls, a cricket podcast with me, Kate Cross, you, Alex Hartley, and we're back in the wilderness. We're back in the wilderness, and this is take two, because the last one was, couldn't have been more shambolic if we tried. We have high levels of expectation of shambolic, and it exceeded them. There was three bin men, <laughs> not men, three bin trucks. Lorries that pretty much rolled over the laptop. Yeah, it was, it, and we both got really grumpy talking about Test Match Cricket, and that's not what we're about. No. So we've, we've moved location, we're sat... By the river in um, Canberra. I didn't say Canterbury. That's not <laughs> we don't, no, we're not there. Yeah, and we can see it's actually quite nice. So you'll you'll hear people, you'll hear birds, but at least it's quieter. So this is the emergency podcast that is our normal recording day anyway. So emergency because something cool happened, but normal recording time. Well, we couldn't have done it last night. You had a few bevies, I had a few bevies, so it would have been even worse. But I actually, I actually think it would have been less shambolic last night than that one that we've just tried to do. Yeah, well, I think we did fifteen minutes and both looked at each other and went, "Shall we do this later?" Well, let's can this. Put it in the bin. Terrible. Yeah. Um, how are you? Yeah, I th- I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm definitely better than I was this morning. Uh, just a mad five days. I think it's been pretty hard to process it and. I think my opportunity to process it and dissect it is now on this podcast. So Brilliant. Yeah. So all the emotions going to come out now. Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's all right. We can deal with that. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I had a few drinks last night, so I'm a bit probably feeling... Oh, I've just burped as well. Probably feeling um, as well as you are. Um, but, yeah, I, it was an emotional rollercoaster yesterday, so I think I'm a bit flat today as well. Test match cricket... For women in particular, I, don't, I actually don't know about the guys. They might probably do feel this as well. But because we play it so little, I don't think we quite know how to regulate emotions over the four days. Yeah. And I think day three was the perfect example of this because we went back out after lunch having been bowled out 50 behind. Can't have gone out day three after lunch. It rained all day. Went just before lunch. Went out, uh, Brunty takes those two wickets, we're high as kites, and then you sit doing crosswords for the rest of the day because it rains. And honestly, that night, so it was Saturday night for us, I was just laying in bed at 5pm, nearly falling asleep, like, what? what is this? I was, I was sad. Yeah. And it was all just because the, the adrenaline was so high and then literally so low in the space of two hours. So I think the emotional reg- regulation of... The emotional regulation of emotion. Is that right? <laughs> regulation. The regulation. Re- regulating emotion. Is not something that we're very good at over four days of cricket yet. But yeah, well, you don't play it enough. You know, twice in a year is actually a, 
an anomaly in women's cricket to play a test match twice in a year, so it doesn't surprise me. Um, there must have been so many ups and downs like throughout. I mean, I don't even know how to ask, like, what to ask you. But are you, how are you right now about your emotions on the test match itself? Um, I don't really know to be honest. Maybe we'll just try and work it out as we as, go. As we go. Um, yeah, I remember. I, well, I came off the pitch and I was quite happy because I'd done my job, so I knew I was going out there to save the game which made it very clear for me. I knew I just had to defend. And then two balls I did have a little swipe at. But, um, which I, I like, heard oh, you, no. I heard she you slated like, me for it. Yeah, I, I didn't slate you. I just said, oh, no, she looks like a tail ender and now I'm nervous. Oh, tough, tough school. I think there was a bit of nip, though. It, like, the, the ball did do a bit. Thanks, thanks. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I missed a straight one. Um, so, yeah, I, I came off the pitch happy but then I saw all my teammates' faces and they were, it almost was like we'd lost. So yeah. I was, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a, a complete mix of emotions. Like the, the dressing room afterwards was really, really quiet. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of tears because it was a game that neither team deserved to lose. A draw didn't feel like the right result and both teams could have won. Yeah. Which, in a way, was like the most fascinating game for a neutral. I mean, Meg Lanning was smiling at the end of the game and Heather was crying. I guess that, that sums it up because England should have won in the position that you know Heather, Nat and Dunks put you in. It got less, less than a run of ball. I think that's probably why it was so tough to take it and it felt like a loss probably for about an hour after the game because yeah. we got into a position where we could win and in a way that's worse. Because then there's the hope and, wow, what if we do this? What if we knock this off? Because it would have been a record run chase, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, by, yeah. by nearly 70 runs or something. So we knew it was going to be something special. And then you just kept thinking, what if? You know, what if? What if? You get so close. And then the fact that we didn't lose it was obviously a decision that had to be made to keep us in the ashes as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to work out. Um, but I think when we all take a step away from this... And I don't even know how long that'll be, but we're going to be so proud to have been involved in that game of cricket. It's just really hard to see that right now. Yeah, it was honestly the best test. Well, it was easily the best test match of the winter slash Australian <laughs> summer, but it was so, so good to watch and so good. I was actually last night being like, what you've done for women's test match cricket and the game, you, you won't realise now, but it's, it's unbelievable. Like it was, it was nail biting. Yeah, it was. It was amazing, and I think the irony of the whole thing was it became a one day game. Yeah, and when and that's your bread and butter. Well, exactly. So I, I was, I actually thought that was better for us because we know how to do run chases like that, especially when Tammy and Lauren, to be fair to them, set the game up for us. If ta- like Tammy, but how she opened was yeah, just was absolutely phenomenal, really, because she set the tone. If they hadn't started how they had we wouldn't have got to a position where we only needed sixes. Yeah. And when the field spread, it was so easy to get sixes. Yeah, so you got you needed 104 off 17 overs. And in the previous 17, you got 101. So it was literally set up perfectly. So I was sat next to Tim, who's our bowling coach, and Lisa, who's head coach. And they had the notebooks out. And Tim was literally like crossing off every single run that we scored. And when we got to... So the last hour obviously means 17 overs needed to be bowled in. Well, it was actually two hours, wasn't it? It was ironic because it was. It took ages to finish it. Um, and, but that, I think that's what made it so special because 
Lanning was having to speak to her bowlers every ball. Yeah. And you were having to wait to face deliveries every ball. That was the worst bit. Genuinely, yeah. I was like, I can do the batting bit, but what do I do in between? Yeah. I was just kind of wandering around, just just like, oh. There was a moment you and Soph were stood in the middle and um, on air, they said what they're going to be chatting about. I said, to be complete, that's probably what they're going to have for dinner, try and distract them. I'll get to that in a minute because there's some good stories there. But when, So I'm sat next to Tim and Lisa and they're doing the maths and we had... Our game plan was that we could chase 80 off the last 10. Yeah. So if we could get to the point where we needed that, and that was only going at five and a half, sixes for most of it. And then Dunks went in and batted the way she did and got us ahead of that. And you're thinking, wow, it's actually an easy run chase from here. Yeah. But then the pressure of that situation and people being on the boundary when you normally only have five out in one day cricket. There was nine people on the boundary. It was, I've got a picture, it's the most incredible thing. And then you had nine people around the bat. Heather said this morning, she was like, imagine if you'd never seen cricket and tuned in for that last over when there was nine people on the boundary and then next minute they were all around the bat. Like, what? how do you explain that to anyone? But Dunks made a really good point because she said when, so the last hour started, 17 overs and then one more over went and Dunk said right this is a 100 game now we need 99 off, off 100 balls effectively so that if you played that in if you were you know at the oval chasing that yeah, as Southern Brave you'd, you'd bat yourself every single time every to do single it time. so I think the clarity of what we knew we needed to do made it not easier for us because you still had to go and execute your skill out there but it, it made the decisions for us yeah. so I think that was then easier because it had kind of been set up in a way that, yeah, we, we didn't need to make decisions, really. But then there was a passage of play where it was almost like everyone forgot they could get one. Yeah. And they were just trying to hit boundaries. Yeah. And it was not frustrating to watch because England was still ahead, but you were just thinking... And, and Sutherland bowled brilliantly to Dunks. Dunks hit her for 17 off and over because Sutherland kept bouncing her. So Sutherland went to slow ball bouncers at the body and, and bowled amazing. Yeah. And it completely changed Dunks' game plan. Yeah. Yeah, it honestly, it, Dunks was brilliant actually because um, she was so up for it. Like she, she was on the sideline. She was quite funny to watch. And then she said, "Oh, can I paddle the Lana King?" And the next ball, ironically, Nat did yeah. and got two. So I think that gave Dunks a bit of confidence. But then when Dunks went in, the game plan that she told us she was going to do, she did. Yeah. So she she was so clear on what she wanted to do and went out and did it. So yeah, I, I, to do that in your second Test match, I know. And the way she batted in the first test match last summer was amazing as yeah. well. But like, there was a lot of talk in the commentary box that Danny Wyatt should have been playing at seven. And England went with the extra bowler. And I said the whole way through, no, they've got Dunks. Yeah. I said Dunks is, aggressive, is an aggressive player. She can, she can bat and she proved that yesterday. Yeah. You said to Heather at one stage something, didn't you? What? Yes. Yeah, so when we probably needed 60 to win, I turned to Heather. And she was so frustrated with how she got out. I don't know if you saw her like backhand her glove to the the man on the camera. She, she, I don't, she didn't mean to aim for him, but she was so angry that she threw a glove and it nearly hit the guy on the Segway. <laughs> um, Knock him off. But I said to her, right, right, Heather, four runs to win, two balls left. I'm out there, so we're obviously nine down. What do I do? Do I try and win the game? Or do I try and save the ashes? And she just said, she laughed and she just said to me, she went, I'll back you, mate. Whatever you decide to do, I'll back you. But when I went out to bat, there was the nerves around whether it was a no ball for a start. So I, I was kind of ready to go out and then I was like, oh, am I going to sit back down? Do you think it was a no ball? I've not looked at it, not to be honest. It. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, am I going out? Am I going? And I turned to Lisa, I went, what am I doing? And she just went, save it, mate. So that again, like my clarity was there, so I knew what I needed to do. But you were a bit gutted, though. I was, because I, I do feel like, obviously, it's if I'd have got out, oh my God, it would have been devastating. Or if Soph had got out. But I think... 
you still feel like you've got the capability to get 12 yeah. off 12 balls. So yeah. it's, it's hard, but you've got to, obviously you've got to do what the coach tells you to do if <laughs> well, you want to keep your contract. Yeah, well, true. You, you kept the Ashes series alive. Yeah, which was the most important thing for us. And like I said, the dressing room felt flat when I got back, but I just thought, God, how, how would it have been if, if we'd have lost that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lisa said, save it to me. So I walked out to the middle and Sophie, I've never seen Sophie's face like this. So I tried to like smile. Hey, mate, you all right? She went, what's the message? I was like, we've got to save it. And Sophie went, save it. I said, yes, so save the test match. She went, save it. I went, Sophie, we don't get out. We absolutely do not get out. And she was like, right, okay. She wanted to go for the win. I don't know. Or was she just asking for clarity over yeah, and over? I think she just really needed the clarity, which again, I think, like made it easier for me because I just knew I, I think I'd have been worse and more frantic if I had to try and score runs because yeah. it was so simple my job when I got out there um but yeah I just the, the how close we were to winning it and yeah. I, in my head like there was a tiny little bit of me that could imagine hitting the winning runs yeah. and like having that moment oh. with Soph and it, it obviously just didn't, didn't happen. happen um but it was still incredible so the, the stories the what we were talking about in the middle We'd just go down and do a bit of gardening because Lanning was talking and Sophie'd just look at me and she'd go, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be like, five left, four left, three so left. I have got something that I want you to talk me through. In the first innings, you had a role of facing the seam, not the spin, given by the captain. Yeah. It wasn't your choice. No. Very clear role. I said, right, okay. And then you're saving a test match. The last ball of Sutherland's over. You knock one down to long on. And you run a single. So you've got six balls of the spinner to survive. What were you thinking? The, the, that exact moment, I was like, oh God, what have I done? But I, I think you can hear it on stump cam, or stump mic. I hit the ball and I realised there was a single. I was like, do we run it? Soph, do you want it? And she just looked at me and I was like, yeah, all right. And we ran through. So I think there, there wasn't much thought that went into it other than there was a single there yeah but a few people have tweeted me saying like oh what clarity of mind to get on strike for that last over and I was like no I didn't think of it that way <laughs> I was saving so yeah well I wasn't no because obviously no. I know so can bat well there's a bat- batting hierarchy isn't there yeah for a reason yeah 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 exactly so I, I think I god if I'd have got out though then yeah what, I'm stupid for taking that single but you didn't no I didn't you I didn't. knew as well I, was, I thought to myself if she bowls full I'm fine because yeah. I can smother that yeah absolutely fine literally you were fine I knew if she bowled one short though because Healy dropped me didn't she off the cut shot from King in the first innings but I knew if she dropped one short I don't have a back foot defence and she did drop one short <laughs> and I could and it, it was hitting middle stump and you like back foot cut punched it into the floor yeah is all I can describe it yeah. as but it was funny, and it wasn't out, and I, I, I laughed. I was like, it's all right, she survived, she survived. Um, and then the last ball of the game mm-hmm. was a full bunger. My nemesis, actually. I'm the worst at it, hitting full tosses, and your little start, 33% of them get wicked. Yeah. I was really surprised by it. Um, but the, the shot that I played to it was actually, like, the photo was terrible. I've got a front straight leg. Straight leg? I've got a straight front leg. My bat's, like, just pointing at the ground. It was not good. But, but their full tosses are ones that you could have like just tried to smother and could have gone anywhere. Do you, do you think she meant to bowl it? Nah. She was going for the Yorker. Right, she definitely didn't meant to bowl it. What was worse, Smith's half-tracker for Jimmy when he was saving a test match or a full-bunger of yours to save a test match? I think a full-bunger because you've not given it a chance to do anything. Yeah. So I think if I was king, I'd be 
frustrated with that ball than than Smith would have been frustrated. There, there were so many like comparisons, wasn't there, between that test match and an hour test match? And we went on tailenders last night and spoke about that with Jimmy and Greg. And Felix wasn't there, was he? He was asleep. Yeah, he didn't wake up. He didn't wake up for it. But um, and then Lanks tweeted this morning saying like. It was me, Soph, and obviously Jimmy that were there at the, the tail end. Enders. Yeah, so it was quite it was quite sweet but, in a way. But yeah, it was sweet, but also completely different because Jimmy was obviously saving the test. England were going to lose another one, whereas you were in quite a tough situation because you needed twelve off twelve, and it was like, no, can't go for the win. Yeah, uh, well, I, I actually got a bit of stick on Twitter. I was looking last night, and a few people who obviously don't understand the context of the multi-format Ashes were like how heartless you were that you didn't go for it. And I don't think people realise that if we'd have lost a wicket, we, we didn't just lose a test match, that we're out of the Ashes. Lost then. the Ashes. Well, it's multi-format, but you've kept the Ashes alive. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough because of those rain-affected games in the T20s, but, you know, going into the one-dayers, if you'd have got out, the, the one-dayers just become World Cup prep. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah. I think, I think the dressing room does realise that. It was honestly so... It, it was such a tough, probably 40 minutes after the game. And then we got the families in who were doing all the chanting and they were brilliant. They were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You were calling them the Farmy Army, weren't you? Farmy Army. Female Farmy Army. Yeah, no, they were brilliant. And the songs, like, genuinely, Brunty was fired up because of them. And That's good. Like, God, we've not even spoken about Brunty and Heather and how, <gasps> like, historically amazing those performances are and they'll go down in history as probably the best ever. And I think that then almost made it more frustrating that we didn't win because yeah. you imagine if Brunty's taken eight in the game, Heather scored 200 and odd runs. And... I mean, Brunty said she believes it's her last Ashes Test match and had she won that, that would have been really special. Yeah, she, she honestly, she was so emotional. Everyone was emotional. I cried when she got her fifer on the pitch. Did like, you? Her walking off, with, holding the ball up, I had tears in my eyes. And I, when Heather got 100, I was tears in my eyes as well because you just don't. You don't get the opportunity to do that. Nah. So it's so special when it does happen. I was laughing on air saying, when Isha, Ebbs and Charlotte Edwards cried when we won the World Cup, drop that one in. Um, <laughs> and I was like, as if they cried. And then at the end of the game, I was in, I was, I couldn't speak on the radio. I was like, I had to pass over to Kristin Beams to talk because I was just so upset. So emotional, yeah. And again, that goes back to like the emotional regularity that I talked about at the beginning. We're not... We're not used to that. The tiredness, the fatigue that comes with Test cricket as well. Um, like the first, the, going into that first day, I got four hours sleep. Yeah. Because I, it was my first game of the trip. I was overthinking. I was playing in an Ashes Test. Like there was so much going on. Heather didn't sleep overnight, did she? When she was not out, she said she probably got about thirty minutes. Yeah. So I think there's there's so much that goes into it. But so when you asked me right at the beginning how I'm feeling, I also just had a really strange game. Yeah, and I, I think I found that really difficult to get my head around as well. So, like, I was—I had to go sit on my own um, day four lunchtime. I couldn't sit with the team because I just couldn't control myself. I was just crying. Yeah. So I had to go and sit next to the ice bath with a plate of pasta, which is a bit of a sad sight, probably. Um, but again, like that's the stuff that people don't see, and then you've got to get yourself up to go and bat and save a test match yeah. it was, it, honestly it was amazing but so, so why why were you so upset just because just because you hadn't had any wickets or just because you were frustrated with I think everything? The, the frustration of it like, I think I don't think my figures reflected how I bowled in this test match no no not at all and I know that and my team know that and my coaches know that but 
I don't know, you look at a scorecard and you see that and you think, oh, God, she's not done well. Yeah. But I felt like I created so many chances and just didn't have the look of it. And I know that's cricket, isn't it? I get that. And we speak, we speak so much on this podcast about that. Have you given Amy Jones a bit of stick? Um, so only because we had a cry together. Okay. So Amy came in the dressing room and I was the only one in there. So everyone had gone to get some lunch and I was just still sat pretty much with my head in my hands. And I was just so emotional and so frustrated and so angry and just every, every everything that I spoke about already. And it just all came over me and I was just crying. And then Amy realised that her dropping those catches had caused that. Yeah. And I said to her, I was like, I'm not sad at you. I'm no. not angry at you. Like that, ha- I know you never mean to drop a catch. But... I mean, she did take seven in the game <laughs> and drop two of yours. But it, it, I think it was just more the frustration and the tiredness that kind of crept in. And then I was, I was sad that I'd upset Amy because I think uh, she said something along the lines of, you know, you make a mistake and you don't want to make the mistake, but then you realise someone else is involved yeah. in your mistake. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Brunty actually did an amazing thing where she got Lanning's wicket. She came up to me and gave me a hug and she said, that's for you. Oh, that's so sweet. that was sweet. Um, and like she made a real effort and she like she came up to me at the end of the game and said, you know, you were, you had a ma- match-changing spell that didn't go your way and we all know that. Um, but yeah, it was, I think it was just the frustration. Ups and downs of cricket. Oh, God, honestly, the ebbs and flows of it, it was amazing, but wasn't it? But I want you to be really proud because you've saved the test match, Crossing. Yeah. It was... It, there was a few ugly shots. Well, three, actually. Or four if you're including the full toss, but I did enjoy that one. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen the video, but I videoed the last ball and I laugh out loud on the air. Cause Is that it, you? Yeah. I wondered who was laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was me. And I laughed because I was so relieved. And I was like, oh my God, it's a full toss. And I'm just so relieved that, you know, we, we can go into the ODI still in the yeah. Ashes series. Yeah. I, I think if I'm to sum it up, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. It could have been a lot better, but it definitely could have been a lot worse. I mean, on day one, England looked like they were going to get bowled out for 150. Mm. So to be in the position that we were, you were, incredible. Yeah. The great, the greatest women's test match I've ever witnessed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there. Yeah. I mean, I was involved in the Perth one. Drop that in there. And Get some wickets. <laughs> we won a game in Australia. Yeah. Um. And I thought that was the best that it could get. But to still have three results possible with one... Four, technically. With one, what? A tie. Yeah. Imagine so, if you tied it. Oh, my God, I'd have cried. So, yeah, three, four results still possible with, with an over to go. And I, that's what I love so much about Test cricket yeah. is that it goes for four days and it can still get down to that last ball. And it felt, genuinely, really, really felt last night like everyone in the world watched it. Oh, yeah. My Twitter went crazy. Same. I've not been able to read all the messages. Like, it's unbelievable. So, And so many people calling for this emergency podcast. Yes. Like Greg James asking us to do an yes. emergency No Balls podcast. So we're doing it. We're doing it right I mean, now. I hope we've done it. I hope we've done it justice. It's hard because I, I think like we're trying to digest it as we go, yeah. aren't we? So it is maybe something that we can reflect on again in, in, in a week's time. But oh, we got so we've got a couple of days off now and then we're gonna go into one day prep, which one we just mode. had. <laughs> we actually had yesterday. Had an hour of that yesterday. Yeah. Oh. What what a time to be alive, Crossy. What a time to be alive. I mean, have you got anything on your sticky notes? Yeah, I have. I've got you hitting a first test boundary. Yep. So congratulations. Thank you. You got that off the mark with a remarkable three. Yeah, good shot. Yeah, great shot. And I nearly got evicted from the ground. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. 
<laughs> what, do, oh, what do we want to know? Yeah, I didn't even do anything bad. I was just sat by a, on a table by an open window and watching the cricket. I was absolutely glued. It was just when Brunty got two wickets before he went off for rain. Yeah. And I was like, this is the turning point in this test match. Like, it could go either way. England are going to get a few wickets, they're going to win. And um, someone came into the comms box. They were like, um, you need to move away from the window. And I thought he was joking. So I said, ha-ha, yeah, good one. Um, and he said, no, if you don't move, you're going to be evicted from the ground. Evicted? Like Big Brother style? Very aggressive, isn't it? Like, very aggressive. And I'm guessing it's because I could have fallen out the window. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, I mean, you would have probably died. But he was really rude, like, really rude. And if he'd have just said, look, health and safety, please, can you move? I'd have gone, yeah, no problem, bit silly, but no problem. But he's like, you need to leave. You're going to be Evicted. evicted. I was like... Imagine if you'd got evicted. I nearly told him to do one, but Henry Moran like, played peacekeeper. Nice. So what, did you have to have the windows open because of COVID? Uh, the window, it's just nice to have the windows open in the comms box for like, atmosphere. Atmosphere, yeah. Even though there was like, two people there. Yeah, that was a shame, wasn't it? Because I've kind of... I don't like to criticise. So I'm not going to... This isn't a criticism. Probably is, actually. No. But... I feel like Australia do so much well with the women's side of the game, but we've never had good crowds here. No. Never. And like that was one of the best games of cricket you're ever going to watch, possibly, in Canberra. COVID as well, to be fair, yeah, though. Yeah, that wouldn't have helped. Wouldn't have helped. Yeah. All right, fair enough. But still, I don't think I've played in front of a good crowd in Australia. No. People of Canberra, turn up on Thursday. Yeah, so we've got a, the next ODIs, th- well, the first ODIs Thursday in Canberra, and then we move to Melbourne for yeah. the last two. We'll play them at Junction Oval, which we've played a lot of women's cricket at. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Ash is still alive, and we'll yeah, be here again next week to sort you through it. Yes, hopefully positive. Yeah, got to win all three, haven't you? Yeah, big ask. It is a big ask. But doable. Australia have shown that if you get on top of them, they crack under pressure. Yeah, and I think in a way, like the fact that Meg Lanning was smiling after that game and we were crying. I, don't, I mean, I don't actually know if it's a good thing for us or not, but I think we've just taken it to them. And I think in the past, that's probably where we've let ourselves down is we've. We've cracked under pressure. Yeah. And I'm not saying we didn't crack under pressure yesterday because I do think we should have won the game. But did I tell you that Sophie had her eyes shut for the last ball? No, she didn't. <laughs> she... Like Ben Stokes style. <laughs> yeah. Ben Stokes, Jack Lee, Chesk. But um, she she said to me when we were walking off, there's a, there's a moment, I don't know if you've seen it, but I like hit her head. Like with my glove, I like give her a yeah. head rub and like push her away. And she went, I need to tell you something. I need to be honest with you, Crossy. So I was like, oh, God, what? She went, I had my eyes shut for that last ball. I was looking at the sky with my eyes shut. Oh. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No no faith or full faith? Does that show? I think I think no faith. Yeah, I think, she, I think that shows no faith. So she was just going to go off the reaction of the Aussies celebrating or not. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't not watch it, I couldn't, I, wouldn't, watch. I couldn't do that. I, I might have been able to, well, I, I could... I could turn my back, I think, but my eyes would still be open. Honestly, what a day. What, what a day. four days. Yeah, honestly, the best women's test match ever. Credit well, to you. Well, we hope you all enjoyed it. You've called for the emergency podcast on normal recording day, so we hope we did it a bit of justice. Yes. Have we got time for one or two emails? We've got loads of time. I think, as well, we should go upstairs with the two on-field umpires from that test match because I think they had a great game yeah, they did. between them. Although firing dunks wasn't on that first ball when it was going over. Not, not keen on that one. Yeah, but then the reviews help, don't yeah, they? Yeah, that's why you have the reviews. Hello. I was sent this at work earlier and I thought you'd appreciate it. 
it's a news article which I can't get online. I'm, I'm not online. So oh, I'm okay. it, but it says it also led to a question: How many spuds is too many spuds? We have experienced too many spuds in a household. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> Laura Jackson. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. There's probably still some left, isn't there? Yeah, there'll be some somewhere. Oh, Boise might have eaten be a bit, bit of luck. Sprouts grow their own sprouts, don't they? Sprouts. Spru- spuds grow their own spuds. They're like sprout spuds. Oh my god, that's well, really hard right. to say. <laughs> I think I know what you're trying to say. When they get the little white yeah, bit that comes out, yeah. yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, honestly, four k- kg of spuds is too many spuds. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair answer, yeah. I think. Hi, Kate and Alex. Last week, you asked for questions, and I do very much have one. Before I get there, I'd just like to comment on how good it is hearing Hartley doing comms in, on Australian national radio. It feels like having a friend on the radio. That's how big the connection between you two and the podcast listeners is. Oh, we are friends. This brings me to my question, Alex. About 10 years ago, you played a season of First Eleven Women's Premier Cricket in Melbourne for Box Hill alongside Meg Lanning. I'd like to know the story of when you were dragged in to play a couple of men's sub-district Third Eleven games against Malvern and Croydon that year. From memory of when I had a look, you did pick up a wicket or two, so not too bad. But what's the backstory on you playing some subbies cricket? From an interested fan, Lachlan. did play with Meg Lanning and she was playing for Australia at the time and I felt incredibly lucky. Did you fangirl? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. She never came on nights out or anything, but her sister's a good party animal, and that was 10 years ago. Anna. Yeah. Um, I basically played men's cricket because I wanted to just play more cricket. There was literally no reason for it. They asked if I wanted to play, and I said, yeah, and then I played a couple of men's games. Nice. Do you get stick? No, no, no. It was, yeah. Although I think I remember one day turning up being like, why have I accepted this? Why have I said yeah. yes to this? Probably hungover as well, I'm Probably. guessing. Probably. Probably. Hi, Kate and Alex. Hope you're well and all set for Christmas. <laughs> Gosh, it's a while off. Very early and very on the ball, but he probably realises that we might read this in four months' time. Um, hope you're well and all set for Christmas. On the last pod, you talked about having to go out the next day in your fancy dress from the night before, and I just wanted to share a couple of stories from my old university cricket club, which is Keel. Club socials took place on Wednesday night and I had nine o'clock lectures on a Thursday morning, which was often problematic, although the walk to lectures was very entertaining. On one such walk, I bumped into the club secretary on his way back to his room, dressed as (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Then there was another lad who was a medical student. He turned up one Wednesday night to an army-themed social and said that he had dissection class the following morning and would only be staying for a couple. Needless to say, that didn't... Oh, it's famous last words, yeah, isn't it? Just, just having a, a few. My dad always says, I'll be home by 7. Yeah, liar. 7 a.m. Several jugs of snake bite later, he slept in a bush oh, and no. turned up the next day to his anatomy class in full camo gear, including faceplate, and somehow managed not to vom during the dissection. He's now a GP. I'm glad to report that a large group of the old boys from the cricket club still meet every year for a day at the test match. We're already looking at Edgebaston test next year. Both Scooby-Doo and GIGP will be there, despite being older and supposedly wiser. <laughs> it usually ends up very messy indeed, and that's from Andy. Yes, Andy. I hope they're going to go in fancy dress to Edgebaston, because that's the rule, isn't it? Well, it'd be really good if they came to watch us play in yeah. fancy dress, maybe, one day. That'd be even better. Girls, you need to be kind to Henry. Considering all the psychopathic behaviour shared by your fan base, imagine Henry trying to filter the info for you two. It must be a bewildering world you two have exposed him to. Are you spending time with him at the minute? How, how, has he said anything about this podcast? He said he loves editing it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he likes doing it. It makes him smile, but it is also a ball ache. 
Right, okay. Yeah. We do try and get away with a lot, don't we? Yeah, we do try and sneakily get some innuendos in. Did you see how the night got hit in the Joe Roots? Did she? There was I a little that. Joe Rooter, yeah. She was fine, obviously. <laughs> Moving on, FYI. Having a hoover on the move, I do it with a little... 12V car hoover when I'm on a long road trip, even in a car rental. The car interior does get mucky and needs a good clean. Do you remember those little dust busters that you used to have? Yeah, my gran asked for one of those yeah. for Christmas. Honestly, they were brilliant because you could do the stairs with it. Yeah. Cord- it was like the first cordless hoover. Really, it lasted like three minutes. Yeah. Saying that, the Dyson doesn't last that long either. Yeah, your wireless one. Big enough for a flat. Well, it's big enough for my box that I live in. LBW. Right, we're moving on to some LBWs. Okay, nice. I've been ejected from the marital bed because I'm a bad sleeper. Oh. My body has always warmed up as I settled for a snooze, and I like to stick my feet out from under the duvet at the bottom of the bed. Now, as I've got older, my snoring has gotten a lot worse, and I also have started to drool. <laughs> so, understandably, I've been kicked out by the missus. Are you a pug? <laughs> So I've moved to the spare bedroom. I, You know what? I like this. Do you? I think... I think that's the start of the end of a marriage. No, I think it's genius. I think you should have your own bed in a marriage. What? I genuinely believe no. it. No. No. I know I think you should. Why? Because then you get good sleep. You get good sleep anyway. No, not sharing a bed. Like the first few times of sharing a bed with somebody, you obviously don't sleep well, but then you get used to it. No, I'm not having it. Anyway, now I've navigated my own bed, which is weird. It's a king size, but I have to sleep sideways. Oh, shut up. Due to the wooden frame at the bottom, and I need to change pillow covers regularly due to the drool. The spare white bed linen is an issue due to the stains. Are you are you sure you've meant to send this email to a podcast that goes out to 250,000 people? Are you sure? Anyway, that's from our 50-year-old Chinese listener, David. David, I don't think you should admit stuff like that. He does take his hoover around with him, though, to clean rental cars. He's sleeping sideways. <laughs> I just completely bypassed that yeah. bit. Wait, do you, David, do you put the pillows the other way in the bed? Or do you are the pillows where they should be and you're just sleeping sideways in the bed? No, I think he makes his bed sideways. What? Get rid of the wooden slats? Just chop it off. Doesn't sense. No, get in the bin. Strange. I, this, all this says is I keep my toothbrush in the kitchen and brush my teeth there. Yep. They do say you shouldn't keep your toothbrush in the bathroom though, don't they? But I mean, yeah. Oh, because of poo particles. Yeah. Our doctor told us that once. You literally said the word poo particles as a stranger walked past in the street. (laughs) Oh, she wasn't phased. She might, she might listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of poo particles. So it could be bad for you. But, I mean, I, I keep my toothbrush in, in the poo particles. Everyone keeps their toothbrush in the poo particles. And I don't think I've known of anyone die because of the no. toothbrush being in the bathroom. No, me neither. And sometimes I take mine to cricket and do it in, like, cricket bathrooms. Yeah, I do that. Rooms. Where are you keeping the toothbrush in the kitchen? Is it in the utensil drawer? Like, or is it, got, is it next to the toaster? Is, is it, it in the, the cupboard? Sink? Is it next to the bread knife? Where is that? Do you keep your toaster out? <laughs> yeah. What do you do about cleaning your bread knife? Hi, Kate and Alex. First of all, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Probably for 2023, as I assume you'll see this in about a year's time. Yes. Hope 2022 is even more successful for you both and women's cricket as a whole. I've got an LBW for you. Attached is a picture of Bun Buns. He's my girlfriend's teddy from when she was a child. 
I'm having to look after him this Christmas. My, my girlfriend is on holiday in Jamaica with her parents. She asked me to look after him because she has some sort of fear that while she's away, her flat will burn down. And if Bun Buns is left alone in the flat, he won't be able to be saved. So now I'm essentially babysitting a teddy for two weeks and got to take him to my mum's while I visit her no, you over don't. Christmas. No, you don't. Put it in a cupboard and she'll never know. My girlfriend is 27, by the way. I think this is an LBW that they're that may need to go upstairs and be reviewed by DRS as on one hand it's incredibly sweet and sentimental but on the other it's a bit weird getting me to look after him while she's away it's a bit weird that you said yes it is a bit weird that she thinks her flat's going to burn down while she's away as well am I the weirdo by agreeing to look after him or do I need to change my original decision and accept that this isn't weird keep up the great work on and off the field cheers Robbie aka your favourite photographer from the hundred yeah Robbie Stevenson I know who you mean shout out Robbie yes. Stevenson took some belters for us yeah he did um, I, th- I think that's that's weird it's really weird and it's weird that you've accepted it and you're going to take it to your mum's well, this has happened because it was this Christmas, yeah. so it's been and gone. So obviously everything must have been all right, otherwise we would definitely have had a follow-up story. But have I'm... you? Have, do you have anything that is like sentimental from when you were a kid? Or did you have a teddy like Bun Buns? You bought me a teddy, didn't you? So I had a, a teddy from an ex-partner that I had for ages, and then you were like, well, you've got to get rid of that, so yeah. here's an avocado. So now I cuddle an avocado at night. But you forced me into buying the avocado because it was one of those things that if you if your mate tag a mate in this and if they don't reply for five minutes you have to buy them this yeah and I did because I, I was you playing an ODI at the time so you knew my phone was in PMOA um so yeah you've, you've got a little avocado that you cuddle now but you've have you got anything from your childhood you know like how people have blankets I don't and think stuff? so we've got a poorly blanket at mum and dad's which is one that every time you were ill as a kid you'd get the poorly blanket out oh, really? it was like this little pink thing that was falling apart yeah. We always knew someone was ill in our household when I was a kid because you had fizzy leucoside. Yeah. The, the orange leucoside, yeah. do you remember that? Um, I used to have a teddy actually called, it was a Dalmatian. It was called Roly. And I remember we went to, I think we went to Disneyland. So I was about 19. I'm joking, I was seven. And I forgot it. Oh, and no. I cried all the way to the airport. Oh. I cried all the flight, cried all the way to the hotel. And then it was the first night that I slept without Rolly. And my mum was like devastated because she obviously caused the most amount of distress to her child that she possibly could by forgetting my teddy bear. And then I was fine after that. You were fine. Survived. I had one called Barlam. I think I've still got it. I think I've seen Barlam. Yeah. I think I've, I remember looking at it being like, what is that? Yeah, it's just a toy sheep. It's a weird weird thing, isn't it? I, I know a lot of people who, I think Brunty might even have like, um, what did they call it? The, the, blankets they've got like it's not a snuggling blanket but there's a it's like a certain material that like you you hold if you're stressed and it reminds you of your childhood i don't i don't think i need that i've not got a stressful life no okay last one before we're gonna go hey kate and al i emailed you guys when i first started listening in covid times to what i now realize was the old email address I loved watching you guys smash it in the 100 at the Trent Rockets. I wanted to know what music are you guys into? I've heard mention of Gary Cinnamon and Connor Maynard. <laughs> <laughs> two, two different spectrums there, I think. Is that it? No, there's more. Oh. I've asked you a question. What music are you into? Oh, right. Sorry. Um, I've listened to whatever comes on the radio. You're quite poppy. Yeah, like I've, I've got today's hits as a favourite playlist and I listen to that. Yeah. So whatever comes on. 
I'm one of those people that I just like what I like. Yeah. So if I like a song, it doesn't matter what genre it is. Yeah. If I like it, then... Yeah, that's what I'm like. Yeah. Um, also, I agree with Al on how she cuts her bagels. Totally the way to do it. My OBW is thinking it feels nice when the bread knife tickles your fingers as you finish cutting it. I mean, I don't like the feeling of it tickling my fingers. Someone sent yesterday or the day before... <laughs> Um, how to cut a bagel to sturdy it and it's to put your finger right through the middle that's the bagel holder yeah. isn't it put your finger through thanks for brightening up lockdown times you're hilarious with your inspiring stories and that is from guy oh thanks guy guy crossy i've got to be honest with you here you've hit the wall haven't I've you hit, i've hit a wall i need food i've i'm hung over we're on the emotional come down yeah okay well um if anyone does have any questions about the test match or about the ashes the washes or anything, please get in touch with us on noballspodcast at bbc.co.uk. Noballspodcast at bbc.co.uk. It's, it's so, so good, they said, said it twice. And we hope you all enjoyed what was a fabulous four days of cricket. I sure did, Crossy. Thank you. Is that a crocodile? What? Oh, it's a twig. <laughs> wow. Oh, See you, wow. everybody. Bye. And cross strikes in the first over. It's what England we're looking for. Hartley bowls down the track, comes scoring this time, chicken eggs. It's either six or out, it's six. Have you just missed that amazing goal on Five Lap? Download the BBC Sounds app and you'll never miss another moment. You can go back to the start of any live show or match. Pause the commentary mid-action and even rewind to hear it again and again. Oh, oh, what a goal! Play, pause and rewind. Live radio that you control. Listen on BBC Sounds.